We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Thank you very much. You're welcome to be seated. And uh, wow, let me tell you something. It is always a little bit of a struggle whenever you're a speaker and you have an introduction like that. You, you have your parents emotional and your family emotional. And uh, it's something. And uh, at the end of the day, whenever I take it all in, it's absolutely humbling and an incredible honor that God would choose me to be a witness for him, to be a vessel for him. And it is just so humbling. And uh, I just want to thank you for taking your time this morning to come here and to be a part of this day, to be a part of this message. It is Super Bowl Sunday, Super Soul Sunday. And uh, obviously, in case you missed the theme, it's a football-related <laughs> theme. And uh, it's something that I find myself fitting into very comfortably. <sighs> I'd like to thank Pastor so much for honoring me with this opportunity to speak with you and to share my story with you and to enjoy this day together. I believe that today is the first time in 25 years that I am actually speaking in front of my entire family. Wow. With, yeah, yeah. With, with everybody assembled together, I am sure that as you speak with my family, they will tell you that getting me to speak is not the difficulty. <laughs> it's getting me to shut up that can be a little bit of a problem sometimes. So uh, pastor said, you have 40 minutes today. Can you feel that? <laughs> uh, I've got my timer going so I don't miss it. I love speaking to an assembled audience. I, tr- I truly do. It's something that I enjoy. And there are emotions for me that are very similar to game time. There's uh, butterflies, there's uh, an excitement, and it's just a thrill, and I love it. 
I love that I get to stand here at the podium. I have the microphone, everybody's attention. I have three daughters and a son. And it's really the only time that I get to speak without being interrupted. So I'm like, this is awesome. It's absolutely fantastic. So we drove down here from Talala, Oklahoma, which is a little over 600 miles away. It's in the northeast corner of Oklahoma. And it was a, it was a beautiful trip. The scenery is beautiful. I love the drive. I love the excitement of coming down to see mom and dad, my brothers and sisters, and and uh, niece, and just the joy of it for about thirty miles, and then and then there. And by the way, that you're you're going to learn something about me. I love jokes and and humor. Is one of those things that I found at a time in my life where, when I desperately needed it, that was something very helpful. So for the first 30 miles, you know, it's just this beautiful thing driving through Oklahoma, bucolic setting. Something just, it was nice. And then the kids started fussing. And uh, Lauren is, Zach, stop touching me. Mom, Zach's foot's here. And then I start getting pecked on the shoulder. And I'm like, what, what? And Zach, my son, is... Dad, 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 Lauren, stop fussing about Zach. Doing. Zach, what do you want? Stop. And it's like, I reach back and he hands me a candy bar wrapper. It's like, I'm driving a car, son. What? I don't want your candy bar wrapper. I don't need that. What's the matter with you? That was mile 31. So about, so about mile 100. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've been praying for the Lord's anointing and and the move of the Lord's spirit on this sermon. And man, I was not feeling it. (laughs) I was not feeling it. And uh, (laughs) I look in my rearview mirror and I have this flashback of my childhood And going down the road in the car with mom and dad. And my mom is this precious, quiet, wise woman with a unique set of wicked skills. (laughs) And and, uh, as I was looking in the rearview mirror, I'm now driving down the road just thinking about childhood and driving in the little ivory-colored, we used to call them station wagons, but this was before they were even called a station wagon. And we're driving down the road, and then I flash back to going to church with my children, and I see my wife in the car and she's putting on makeup and we're driving to church and it's precious. But we hear from the back squealing kids. And they start fighting and fussing. And my wife, Angela, says, Lauren, if you don't stop fussing, you're going to be in trouble. I want you to stop now. 
And Lauren, who, like me, has brown eyes, has a certain disposition, I guess is what we'd call it, or some might call it an affliction, but a strong will. She's an incredibly strong-willed young lady. And back there in that back seat, about six years old, she told her mother, make me. And I had a look of just, oh, I'm flashing back and seeing my childhood and my mother and that whole thing. And I just kind of look over at my wife and she's doing the mascara. And she twists it shut. And then, in that sanguine moment, in the blink of an eye, the visor was flipped up, the seat belt come off, her body twist, shoes came off, and she shot to the back of that vehicle. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I'm like, this is like a Jackie Chan movie, and fast forward. <laughs> kid goes to block and and is like oh anointing 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 let's let's go (laughs) oh oh I was thinking to myself man I have seen this show and it does not end well and so you're you're thinking I'm in the front of the car praying and being a little saint. <laughs> I'm driving down the road looking in that rear view mirror going, yeah, yeah, he t- the blonde one, get the blonde one too, you know. It's- oh man, I tell you what, I know there's a precious grandma here today and that is saying, oh please, don't spank your children when you're angry. And I think to myself, what? When do you spank your kids? You want to screw your kids up, spank them and laugh at the same time. (laughs) Uh, You'll get some mileage out of that one. (laughs) Truly, no children were harmed in the making of this story. This morning, wherever you are, wherever you are in life, Wherever you are at this place, at this moment, you matter. And you have a purpose. And there is a reason that you are here today. God has a plan for you. And here at church, we want to help you become that person that God has created you to be. Your journey, like ours as a next step. And today, through this message, through the ministry of this church, the pastor and the many, many people that have helped pull this together, wherever you are, we want to help you find that next step in your journey. Because this journey, the most important thing, more than anything, is that people give their lives to Jesus and that people's lives are changed. There are so many
other details that are important. But the most important thing is that we see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I believe that with all of my heart. As a young man, of the many lessons I learned from my two older brothers, Dan and Doug, two of those lessons have stuck with me through everything that I have endeavored to do in life as an athlete. And they're memorable. And let me see if you may agree with me. Number one lesson that I learned as a young man with my two older brothers is if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> hey, that, that's how I learned it. <laughs> Guys get quiet like, hey, that's not a good thing. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> it's just what I learned. <laughs> and the second thing was never, ever quit. And so many times as a young man, whatever people would say, calf rope or I'm done or I quit, you can't say it. Well, yeah, but that's what we're supposed to do whenever we're fighting. Well, one of us says, which the one that was always having to say it was me because they're much bigger than I was as a young man. No, you don't quit. You don't say quit. You don't say you're done. You don't say no more. You just keep going. And I remember as a sophomore in Mustang, Oklahoma, I had been so excited about the opportunity to play on the high school football team. And my dad did not uh, let me play football until I was a sophomore in high school. And, you know, now looking back, I think that is sound logic. But at that time, he wanted us to wait. So finally, I'm able to play football as a sophomore. And I got to tell you, after about a week of having to get up early in the mornings and running and doing all the different exercises and workouts, I was thinking, you know, I thought you were going to catch ball, tackle guys and all this. There's all this other stuff. This is not like Sandlot. Well, exactly. It's not like Sandlot. It was tough. And it was difficult. And I remember one evening after practice, we were at home, and I thought to myself, now is the time to make the announcement that I'm going to quit football. So I said, I'm not, I'm not going to play anymore. It's, it's not fun. And my brothers, being who they were, <laughs> told me, if you quit, we're going to beat the sand out of you. So, after I thought long and hard about it, (laughs) I remember making the very easy business decision that I was going to play football. And I just stuck with it because the beating that I would take from the other kids was nothing like the one that I would have taken at home from my brothers. Now, I tell so many stories tongue-in-cheek and with an opportunity to tell a joke, just, you know, because I love telling jokes. But, you know, there was definitely a, a serious tone to that growing up. And that was something 
that my father had taught us, that my mother reinforced, that to all of us children, is quitting's not an option. You, know, you start a sport, you can finish it. And that is something, again, that was a great blessing in my life, as I'll share with you as I continue to speak. Most people who would know of the story of my life, my injury, associate me almost entirely with the injury. With that moment in 1992, whenever I ran into a teammate, we were playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I broke my neck, and I became paralyzed. And my life forever was changed. There's more to the story before, and there's so many precious blessings to that story after. Something that Satan entirely intended as destruction for my life, and I completely believe that Satan wanted me to be dead. He wanted my voice to be silenced. He wanted my joy to be crushed. And he wanted me to quit. We've covered that ground already. To be honest, I was more afraid of my brothers than I was the devil. (laughs) I remember those moments laying on the football field questions. It's terrifying. I'm laying on my back and I begin to lift my head off the field to try and get up. And I feel the bones in my neck crack and crunch and dislocate. And so I immediately just laid my head back. And from my shoulders down, the only muscle that I had that had any function whatsoever was my right bicep. And I used that hand and I tried to unsnap my helmet. And it just would flop uselessly beside me. And I did that over and over in my mind trying to understand why I am not working, functioning properly. And then it became obvious that I was paralyzed. There's a lot of things that go through a person's mind in those moments, but most of it is genuine concern. It could have been fear. It could have been terror. But I know on the football field, And in the hours and days, so shortly after that injury, that a verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, kept coming to me. For God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 
I want you to understand in your life that fear is not something that we are created with. God has not given that to us. That is something that somewhere along the way through our lives, through events, that the devil wants to try and convince us belongs there and belongs in our life. But as you read the the promises of the word, you know that God has not given us that spirit of fear. So as I lay on that turf in New Jersey, as I was carted to an ambulance and driven from the ambulance to a hospital in New York, it was not a scene of despair. It was not a scene of terror. It was a scene of prayer. And my wife, in an incredible way, was able to work herself down through the stadium and get to the bowels of the stadium. And she was able to make that ride with me. And we prayed. It wasn't, we don't know what to do. We knew precisely what to do. And that is because of the way that we were raised. I grew up in a home where I had parents who taught us to pray, who taught us to study the word. I knew in my heart that to be fearful didn't have to be there because it could have easily crept in, but I knew that I could fight against that because the Bible promises me that God has not given me that. But what did he give me? God gave me power. He gave me the ability to call upon his name and to ask for his strength, to ask for him to take this and to be a blessing to my life instead of a curse and to be a blessing to others. So that was the scene in those moments and hours immediately after the injury. There were a lot of questions, a lot of things that we didn't know or understand, but there was a calm and a peace that let's work through this, let's look at what's happened, and let's pray. And we prayed, and my wife literally would sing in that hospital room in the evenings whenever she would be there just working on, literally, it's funny how women do. Because my wife likes to fix up our house and hang pictures and adjust and dust and sweep and mop and all of those pretty little things. I'm laying in a hospital bed. I can move nothing from my shoulders down. And she's in the hospital room just cleaning and adjusting and making that place for the while that I was there home. That's precious to me. Power, love, and a sound mind. What a beautiful verse 2 Timothy 1, 7 is. But there were those moments. There were those struggles. There were difficulties. Because for me, it was an easier thing to stay strong in front of others. The doctrine of being a leader 
was just such a part of my life. When my teammates would come in, I wanted to lead them. I wanted to help them understand that God adores them, wanted them to know his son as their personal savior. And as the years went on from that time, a good number of those people that I love so much had given their lives to Jesus because of a leadership testimony, because of an unwillingness to quit and an unwillingness to stop and an unwillingness to yield to fear, a willingness to claim the power that the Lord has given to us for us to use, to wield, to bless and strengthen our lives. But there were those moments. And it was after my teammates had gone home, after the people that had come to visit would leave, whenever the evening routine had settled down. And it was usually for me about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, And I would be awake, laying in bed, watching a clock slowly tick away, and could not sleep. And it was in those moments that the difficulty and the struggle was the greatest. Because I was alone, I was by myself, I was with my thoughts. And that's what I had. But what I also had was prayer and the promise of God's word that as a young man I had put into my heart and that began to flood back to me to strengthen me and to carry me through those moments. And I remember... One night in particular, it was a difficult day. There was difficult information. It was difficult, literally, just to live. And I remember at that late night, laying there, and I was heartbroken because of the realization of the love for the game that I loved so much was so strong that I was heartbroken that that wouldn't be a part of my life. I had a fear that I wouldn't be able to keep the relationships with the friends or with the people and discouragement set in. But I remembered something that I had heard my father say it went along with whenever, thank you, sir. Went along with whenever I was reading about God's not given us the spirit of fear. But my dad said, he said, there are thoughts and emotions that God gives you and blesses you with. And then there are things that the world wants you to have. Discouragement is a part of life, son. But despair is not. Despair does not belong 
in your life. But to be discouraged, that's just part of being a human being. And so I remember that. And I begin to ask myself, what does despair mean? And despair means for someone to be in a place where they feel there's no hope. Where they feel there's nowhere to turn. So in that moment, I made the conscious decision that I am not going to allow my discouragement, which is part of being a human, slide into despair, which doesn't belong in my life. And so I cried out to Jesus Christ. And I said, Jesus, I can't carry this. can't do this it's too hard but I don't know how to quit I never learned it Jesus this is the only time in my life that I ever remember hearing an audible voice of God but the Lord said to me, he said, be strong, my son. You will walk again. Wow. <clears throat> and that is what I needed to hear. That is what I needed to carry me through. And it was that promise in that moment that helped to strengthen me to carry on. And it was because I literally in my spirit in the most humble of ways, I told Jesus, Jesus, I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. And it is only through you, and it is only through your strength, and it is only through your grace, and it is only through your mercy, Lord, that I can do this. And then, that was the Lord blessing me and I said Father I said I am humbled by you in my life and I will share this moment with others that moment actually happened in my life and I am actually here in this moment 22 years later sharing that story with you and it's because I gave my life to Jesus when I was young. And I began to hide those verses, those promises, that lifestyle into my heart. We need to win the battlefield of the mind. Because the devil wants us to give up. He wants us to quit. He wants us to faint. And he doesn't want us to know that we are more. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? What does that mean? That means studying and understanding God's word. That means prayer. That means worship and praise. 
And as we do those things, as we begin to devote ourselves to those things and shut off the outside voices, the outside influences that would alter our thinking, that would tell us that fear is part of your life. Power is not something you have. You are powerless. We can say to those influences, the word of God tells me something different. The word of God tells me that part of who I am is power. Be not transformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be an athlete, and especially to be a professional athlete, it is a mental battle. And that is such a huge part of what separates a superb college athlete from a professional athlete is the mental part. I cannot tell you how many men I played against that were so impressive, that were so incredible, that looked the part. But mentally, they didn't have that understanding of confidence, will, determination, They had all the physical tools, but they didn't have the heart. And we we had a saying for guys like that. It was body by Porsche, head by Mattel. (laughs) Some of you didn't get that. And you knew whenever you played against guys like that at some point that they would crack. At some point, they would begin to lose that mental battle. And I want to weave into this something that the devil does in our lives. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. The Bible doesn't say that the devil just goes around chomping on everybody, everybody he sees. But he goes around seeking He's testing. He's looking for weakness. He's looking for people who don't understand that in their life they have power and authority given by God to use that power. They don't understand the strength. They don't understand the mental stamina that a Christian who believes and understands God's word can stand and stand firm and to resist the devil. Being an athlete is a mental battle. The devil goes around seeking, testing. How I wanted to use that and tell you as an athlete, that was something that I did. Whenever I was playing against an opponent, I would watch countless hours of film. I would look for weaknesses. What side did the offensive lineman have trouble moving to? Did he have any injuries that year? Did he have any physical characteristics, very strong legs, weak upper body, or vice versa, and different things like that? And as I formulated my plan of attack against that offensive lineman, always these things were in my mind. I have journals 
where I would write these things down. Some of these things were mental. Some of these things were physical. Some of these things were habits. But I would look for those things. And when I found them, that's what I pressed on. And I pressed and I pressed until the crack started. And then an entire emotional breakdown. And it's quite something to see a man lose it emotionally (laughs) in a professional football game. I loved it because it meant my job was going to be easier. But that's what the devil does. Using the same analogy. The devil looks for weaknesses. He looks for places where he can get in. And we have to know and understand the promises in our lives that we stand in power. We stand on the word, the authority of God's word. And that we resist the devil. And he has no choice but to flee because he sees us as a target that for him is not worth the effort. Remember, discouragement can be a part of our lives, but despair is not. Weaving this story further, discouragement and despair, this is a fitting story. My family and I, we live on a ranch in Talala, Oklahoma. It's way out in the country, but it's a beautiful piece of property. And for the last several weeks, I've been running a skid steer, the little bobcat, you know, that spins in spot, and you can pick up limbs and sticks and trees, and an incredibly, incredibly useful piece of equipment. But I told Mom a couple of weeks ago, I came in and I called her, Pretty late one evening. She said, you okay? I said, I'm a little sore. A little sore. Why is that? Well, I'm driving one of those bobcats, and that thing's kind, kind of like a jack-in-the-box. You know, you get in it, and it just tosses you all around and kind of beats you around a little bit. And she said, really? I said, yeah, Mom. I said, I get off that thing, and I stagger around like Stevie Wonder pushing the bad grocery cart. <laughs> Oh, it's awful. And I am not kidding. A little bit of a struggle. (laughs) And then it, it hurt my back. And this was on Thursday, this past Thursday. And so I sit down and I was discouraged. And I said, you know what, Lord? I'm not going to let the devil steal this message, steal this opportunity, steal this this chance for me to get to tell people about how much I love your son, Jesus, and to help change people's lives. And I told Angela, I said, Angela, as soon, literally, as soon as I resisted that discouragement and the, the thoughts of despair, As soon as I said, I'm not going to allow the devil to do that, listen to me. Immediately, God began to flood my mind with things to share and to help crystallize and and complete the things that I wanted to share with you this this morning. There are days when the struggle is almost, almost, 
more than I can deal with. And I remember a verse that was given to me whenever I was in the hospital and it was placed on the wall in my room. And it's Romans 8.18. For I... For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. There were difficult moments. There are difficult moments when those sufferings, those struggles, those times are hard to reckon with. And the devil wants me to fade under the pressure. But then I quietly count the cost of what if that day had never happened? What if I stand up, dust myself off? And play another play through the game. And have a very long career. What if that's how things turned out? We begin to step into that realm of those unknowable things. And I can't count what those unknowable things are. But I can tell you. The things that I do know. And what quitting would have cost. I select just stories. So many people have come up to me and my wife. Letters, cards. And shared how that tragedy, those moments have helped to change and to bless their lives. Angela and I were eating breakfast at a place in Tulsa. And a woman approached us. And as she walked up to my wife and I, she was crying. And she stood there and composed herself for a moment. And she said, I just wanted to tell you two something. My husband was with me and he's he and I have seen you here a number of times and to be frank with you Mr. Bird in spite of your injuries he sees you with your wife and you're happy and you you're blessed and she said that touched him and that changed him because he was a very cynical man And he didn't believe that Christians walked what they said, that they meant what they said. And he didn't believe it. And through that testimony of just quietly, patiently, happily living a life, eating lunch together, that man saw that, learned about the story, and gave his life to Jesus. I said nothing to the man. Yeah. I said nothing to the man. I never spoke a word to him. 
but it's a testimony. God uses us to be a voice for him, to be a mouthpiece. But God also uses the actions in our lives. A smile God will use. A kind gesture. A little tip. And it's so easy for us to want to have the spotlight moment or the spotlight position. And that is completely understandable. But hey, I had to break my neck to get this one. (laughs) But every person, every word, every work in ministry is something that helps to bless and change people's lives. And that is what all of us have to give, all of us have to do from the most simple to some, like myself, a big part of it is staying alive, staying happy, reading God's Word, being strengthened by God's Word, being moved by prayer. What else could I have lost? Because of my injury, Angela and I weren't able to have children. And seven years after my injury, we had a little girl. And then we had a little boy. And then I'm yelling and them driving down here to come here. I could have had other children. But the truth is, you have to understand timing and how it is. They would not be. It would not be Lauren and Zach. I would bear it all for that alone. So many people have shared their stories with us. How many lives have changed? It's unknowable. It's not knowable, but I couldn't quit. Because my brothers wouldn't let me when I was young. And I never learned the habit. And I know that in this way, God has me to be a leader. I want to skip ahead very quickly. As pastor, I told you, 40 minutes was a piece of cake. (laughs) Ah, I want to share with you a story of a precious man that I met not too long ago. It's been five years, I guess. But his name is Dave Reaver. Dave Reaver was a Vietnam veteran that was injured horribly in the Vietnam War. And he has a beautiful ministry. And he shares his story. And he has seen so many thousands of people give their life to Jesus Christ. And Dave's story... Dave was throwing a hand grenade 
from his PT boat because he was in what they called the Brownwater Navy. And he was throwing a hand grenade and they were in combat. And as he let the hand grenade go, it blew up right here in his face. And David had been horribly disfigured. To make a long story short, as Dave came back home, he was completely worried about the reaction that his young bride would have when she saw him. Dave was terrified. When she tells the story, she was concerned and didn't know. And then there was the moment where Brenda Reaver saw her new husband and his tragic injuries and the difficulty and the struggle that she knew would be a part of their life. And the words that she said, not what Dave said. The words that she said would come back to be an enormous blessing in my life. She said to him, welcome home, Davy." And she fell into his arms and they've been married the entire time. And she helps him bear the burden, bear the struggle. And she's a precious, precious woman. Why do I tell that story? Because whenever I was a teenage boy, Dave Reaver came to Oklahoma City and he was preaching. But I wasn't there. I didn't make it. But the Bible tells us that God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. We can think of a path and we can think of the way things should go. But God's ways are not our ways. I wasn't there when Dave was speaking and so many young people in Oklahoma City gave their lives to Jesus because of his testimony. But I wasn't there. Someone else was. The little girl. That I was to marry. The little girl that I was supposed to marry was there. And she heard of Brenda's testimony and how that's just what she was going to do. In 1992, I laid in a hospital bed, and my wife put her head on my shoulders. I could move nothing but just a little bit of my right arm. And I told Angela, I said, Aunt, 
I would understand if this was too much to bear and if it was too difficult. She got, actually got mad at me a little bit. And she said, I love you. Your heart's beating in your life. And that's what I need. She heard that message of Dave Reaver's wife years before. And she just knew that's what she was going to do. I tell that story for this reason. We think of a plan. We work. God doesn't need us to be perfect. God doesn't need us to be computers. God doesn't need us to be planners and schedule out everything and to be perfect about what we do. God does not need us perfect. He needs us willing. That's what he needs. Because he will, he will order the steps of the righteous. He will send people on their mission. He will give somebody through his spirit the right words to say whenever you think, why does God want me to say that to someone? You never know. You never know. You could be in a supermarket and it could be a word that will help change thousands of people's lives because you are obedient to God's word and to the direction and leading of his Holy Spirit. So, I've covered a lot of ground. I've gone slower than I would have liked, but that's just part of my life. (laughs) I'd like to share this final thing with you. There's been so much water under the bridge, so much time, so, so many difficulties, so many struggles, so many victories. So many lives changed. I am here today because God wanted me to be here. Because I was willing. I'm not perfect. But I'm willing. And that's what he needs. And today as we have people that are coming up that want to help lead people in prayer, I want to ask you, God's given me a choice. He's given me an opportunity. And I have this moment with the journey that I've taken, the things that I've been through. I have this moment. And what I want to do with this moment, this time, what God has blessed us all with to be together today is I want to ask you, if you don't know Jesus, please come up here and we have people that are going to pray with you and help lead you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If that's you, please come up here. Please take that opportunity to change your life and the lives of countless people. If that is you, this is your opportunity. That's what I want to ask. That's what I want to know. Would you give your life to Jesus if you don't know him? Because I know 
that he'll bring blessings into your life that compare to nothing else. I'd like to tell you this morning that I thank you for this opportunity and I am so humbled to have been here and I pray that the Lord blesses you with all that he has. Pastor. We'd like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.